Okay, welcome back to another week of Startup Hand-Me-Downs. As I said in the last episode, keeping with the theme of Black History Month, every episode this month will be with a black founder or investor. That said, I will be resurfacing the interview I done with Elaine Sylvain, who is the founder and CEO of Sylvain Labs, a strategy and design consultancy firm based in New York City. They've worked with the likes of Google, Airbnb, Spotify, ESPN, Bloomberg, Calvin Klein, you name it, they've definitely worked with some of the biggest brands in the world, which is pretty impressive for a really small New York-based studio. Uh, This was a really sick interview because Elaine talks about the art of branding and why it's so important to have a strong brand and what actually goes into creating a really strong brand. He also talks about the importance of having a side hustle. Now, I've never heard this before, but he literally tells all of his employees to have a side hustle. And even within the organization, they have their own side hustle projects, um, projects that they work on internally that they end up releasing and sometimes actually selling. So it's really, really cool. Um, I won't say too much on this. Um, I think the episode really talks for itself. Shout out to Elaine again for coming on the show and taking the time out to sit down and chat with me. All right, let's get into the episode. Hey guys, before we get into the show, I just want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Design Crowd. Uh, Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses outsource or crowdsource design. You can have custom logos, business cards, websites designed from designers all around the world. Design Crowd has over 600,000 designers from Sydney to San Francisco ready to help you with your awesome creative ideas. Get the perfect custom design every time. It's super easy to use as well. All you have to do is post a brief describing the design you need. Design Crowd will then invite its 600,000 designers to submit ideas. And over the course of three to 10 days, a typical project will receive 60 to 100 different designs from designers around the world. All you have to do is pick the design and then approve payment. To get your custom design done by the crowd, check out designcrowd.com forward slash HMD to learn more and receive your special startup hand-me-downs VIP offer when you start your next project. All our listeners get a special $100 off their first project, so check out designcrowd.com forward slash HMD. That's designcrowd.com forward slash HMD. Or simply enter your discount code HMD when you start your next project. For me, the side hustle is much more true to the human condition. And I've lived whole lives and they have many different interests. Yeah. Um, and sometimes people come across that have side hustles that outweigh what they want to do with Sylvain Labs and, and we nurture that and encourage that. Hey guys, welcome to Startup Hand-Me-Downs, the podcast that passes insights from founders and thought leaders down to the next generation. I'm your host, Philip Kusumu, and thank you so much for giving me the next 30 minutes of your time. I promise it'll be worth it. So today I had the pleasure of interviewing Elaine Sylvain, who is the founder and CEO of Sylvain Labs, an innovation and brand design consultancy. 
The company serves as a strategic planning resource for product developers and marketers. They literally work with some of the biggest names and have clients such as Google, Airbnb, Spotify, General Motors, Facebook, amongst many others. Elaine is co-founder and investor of several ventures, including Master Dynamic, a design-driven premium audio brand. On this show, we unpack what it takes to get branding right, and it gives us a brief insight into the creative process of getting a brand right without giving too much away. Okay, let's jump into the action. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited to do this. So when you're at an event, how do you introduce yourself to people? <laughs> yeah, what a good question. Um, my name is uh, Alain Sylvain. That's how I would say it on stage or something like that. It's a French name. My parents are from Haiti. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly, we talk about the company as Sylvain Labs. And uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Sylvain Labs, which is a strategy and innovation consulting company. Um, we help companies develop new product ideas and develop new approaches to their brands and how their brands should come to life. Um, so we don't necessarily do design, but we do a lot of the insight and strategy work that goes into some of those more creative executional things. Nice nice and concise intro, I like it. Yeah, I um, so before we get into what you're doing now at Sylvain Labs, what did you do in the early days? What got you to this point? Um, it's a good question. I, uh, I spent a bunch of time in the kind of creative agency worlds, yeah. working for advertising agencies and creative communications companies. And I was, I was a strategy person working in a creative environment. And I loved it. I loved, I knew that a creative space is where I belonged. Um, but somehow I felt that strategy wasn't enough at the center of what those companies were, were producing and making. And I ended up um, working at a, a strategy consulting company and learned a lot about what what that world is like and very quickly decided that I could do this too. And so what I've tried to do is, um, over the, we've been around for seven and a half years, what I've tried to do is create a, a company that's part management consulting, strategy consulting, and parts creative agency. Um, so we've got sort of the carelessness and ridiculousness of a creative place yeah. um, and a culture of a creative agency along with the, ri- the rigor and the strategy and the discipline of a strategy company. That's that's kind of what makes our place special, I think. Mm. Um, um, your time at Red Scout, that's was right. that where you kind of decided that, yes, I want to be in branding, this is my thing? Or like, well, on the, you- on the creative agency side, I, I did work in branding right. uh, and the idea of brand. So I, I, I've been working on it and in it for over 10, 15 years or whatever it yeah. was. But um, at Red Scout, it was more of an innovation-oriented place, so I learned more about this idea of innovation, right. um, which of course is a cliched idea, but but the idea that every product can evolve and kind of become something new, mm-hmm. that's where I learned much more about innovation, um, but mostly I learned that I wanted to work for myself. Mm. Um, you know, it had nothing to do with the, sort of what I was doing, it was, I really felt there was a place in the world for this kind of creatively driven strategy thing. Um, and so I used my time at Red Scout to learn how to do that and yeah. then did my own thing. And then you kind of set out to start up Surveying Labs. So yeah. how did you start? Yeah, what, yeah, how did I start? What a nightmare. <laughs> that was it was a lot of dark now. times. <laughs> um, how did I start? So I, it's a, we're a professional services business, so we're not a technology business. So it, clients are big companies and they're very important. And I identified one or two um, that were willing to work with me, and, and that was great. And that those early clients were basically helped capitalize the company, so mm. I didn't have to put any money in or anything like that. Nice. 
And then um, I needed help on operations when it comes to things like legal and HR and finance. And my dad had done that his whole career. Mm. Um, and so he agreed to help uh, in, in, in those early days. Pro bono? Oh. Uh, are you kidding me? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. Um, so he he joined. I mean, he's not in the office um, every day, but is sort of a, the silent rock that keeps this company afloat. Nice. And then I hired two dudes who were straight out of grad school, uh, or just fresh out of grad school, Ben and Joey, who are still with me. Um, and they were this kind of creative duo who were down to do anything and really cool. Mm-hmm. Got along with them personally, and so. The four of us were the early days, and so with the clients, I got office space, got computers, got a logo, and we just kind of went off. It. And yeah. one of the cool things was that the way I got those clients is the clients offered me a job. That's how it worked. You know, ah, I, okay. I, I kind of got in the mix because um, I was interviewing for a job. It was it was actually AOL was my first big client, and they were looking for someone to head up marketing, and I got caught up in that search, and they wanted to offer me a job, and I said, well. Instead of a job, could would you be willing to be our first flagship client? You know, I've always wanted to do something entrepreneurial, and, and they agreed. Wow! Um, so it was a. I found that the job interview is a great way to get a client. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I've yeah. I never really thought of that. So, at this time, you had quit your job initially, yeah. and then you were like, "I'm just going to go out and do this thing on my own." Right. But you were interviewing. You took the approach of an interview to get clients. No, I, I was interviewing while I had the job. Um, right. Which of course is a taboo, and you shouldn't. You know, there's like an ethical <laughs> question there, but yeah. but um, but yeah, like everybody else, um, I had a side hustle, and and I was working on Sylvain Labs, um, and I've been working on Sylvain Labs for years before I actually did it, um, and you know, it, it wasn't until the there was like a perfect storm of like the help I had, the client, and the space, and everything mm-hmm. that I actually did it. Not to say that I did it with any sense of security, because I didn't have a sense of security right and i don't know if i have any now but <laughs> but um but yeah everything had to line up so how were you pitching in the early days what was the pitch yeah i mean i'll answer it this way you know over the years i've tried a lot of different ways to pitch companies yeah and i've looked at a lot of different sources and ways to persuade companies but i found that the only way to pitch that works is when you pitch someone that knows you or know someone that knows you um and you're speaking their language and playing back their concerns mm. in a way that feels very intuitive for them. That's what's worked for me. You know, there are a lot of our competitors, they have their pitch is about a process, like a, a toolbox that they basically shop around from company to company yeah. to company. Yeah. Um, and they replicate the same thing over and over again. And it's great. You know, some companies have, you know, 90 day processes or 100 day processes or a, a you know, a strict way of doing things. We are far more adaptive. So the pitch has always been about what are you feeling and needing and how can we fit within that? Mm. Um, so, so the pitch is more of a question? Always. Okay, yeah. Good. Um, yeah, and it, our job is to adapt to the, to the question slash answer and the dynamics that the client's kind of dealing with. Nice. So you start off with a huge client. And since then, I guess you've always worked with big clients like Google, Spotify. How are you landing these huge clients (laughs) being such a, you know, a little guy, I guess? It sounds, it sounds, I mean, the greatest thing about our client list is that it gets people really impressed. (laughs) So we we have Samsung and Anheuser-Busch and PepsiCo and Google, General Motors. But the reason for that has more to do with the nature of innovation consulting. The innovation consulting market, call it, um, 
is only the only players are big companies. There mm. are no small companies or medium-sized companies that are spending money on innovation. So anyone who's doing innovation consulting is an impressive client. Interesting. So that's number one, and number two, we the way we get the clients is through, like, as I said, largely through personal relationships. So a lot of ex-clients. We actually have a hundred percent client retention. So every wow. client we ever had has come back and asked us for a second project. That's huge. Um, and clients move. And that whole dynamic is really where our clients come from. Um, you know, we have one client who was a CMO at PepsiCo, and we worked for him there for a long time. He ended up becoming the Pep CMO at BuzzFeed, and we worked for him there. Wow. And then he just recently became the CMO at BlackRock, and we're working for him there. Oh, that's great. So <laughs> I think that for me, the lesson there is about people and less about companies. Mm. And the, the real representative client list would probably be people's names as opposed to the companies. Um. What are you guys doing differently? Yeah, I don't really know. You know, I, I don't think about that question enough. Um, I'm just more focused on the solution and the problem that we're faced and we're, we're highly committed to the challenges our clients deal with and maybe because we are adaptive um, clients come back um, yeah I mean I, I don't I don't know I think I think clients when they when they are faced with a tool like a, a box solution mm -hmm. it's harder for them to, to come back over and over and over again because they need that same exact problem to happen ag yeah. again when you're more of an adaptive consultant, you can fit in more scenarios. And so we, we work on a lot of different sort of products for our clients. Uh, One of which I noticed was Google's voice assistant app. Yeah. Like that's an insane project. How yeah, did you guys get a hold of that? And how did you help with that product? Yeah, the, re the way we got that one is um, we, we had been working with Google for a number of years and we actually ended up hiring someone who was working at Google as our head of business development nice. and uh, his name is Stefan and he's he helped us get more relationships within Google um, but this one project was a couple of years ago and it was re and we all knew and know that the voice was was a new sort of interface with technology and that's yeah. that's beginning to happen with voice, voice protocols voice protocols you know Alexa Google Home yeah. uh, the Apple HomePod and so on we know that voice is is, is increasingly an important way to interact with technology. But what we don't know is what's the role of these voice assistants? You know, how, how should they communicate to us? What should they say? How should they say it? Um, what, what are our expectations? How do we value that? Mm -hmm. So that was, our, that was the project, yeah, so to help give the Google Assistant some more direction. Nice. And was it, how long did that project last? That project last? Um, it, was a, it was a couple months, like a lot of our projects. You know, what's great about this one is that the clients do most of the work. You know, they, they, it's, and we worked with a, a creative group within, within Google. Nice. Um, you know, engineers and creatives, yeah. they had vision for it. And so we, our job was really secondary to the core clients who are responsible for that, mm -hmm. that, uh, that product. Um, but yeah, our projects are usually a couple months. And they're usually global, and they involve some sort of research, um, and they're dynamic, interesting sprints, really. Yeah.
if I get into too much detail. <laughs> yeah, it's just a challenge when we talk about innovation. Yeah. It's like, how do we talk about it without... No, no, no. So I want to talk a bit more about branding now. Yeah. So from a startup perspective, um, startups tend to think, okay, there's this problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to solve it. I have this solution. And then it's going to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And then branding kind of comes after the fact. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, when do you think startups should start thinking about branding for their product? Well, I, th- I think products and brands are inherently the same. So as you think about the product, I think the brand should be in mind as well. And mm-hmm. when I think of the brand, I, I'm not thinking of a clever name or a kitschy logo. Yeah. To me, the brand is really the ideas that you want people to feel when they see or, or interact with your brand. Right. And that sort of um, and that sort of idea should be embedded in, in the product experience. So if you're working on a, on a fitness app, you know, the, what you should also be thinking about what you want people to feel as they interact with your fitness app. And that could be things like achievement mm. or empowerment or knowledge. Maybe it's about education, you know, yeah. enlightenment. Um, and, th- and that to me is really what a brand is. A lot of people think branding is more like the like really cool logo, the logo or, yeah. or the interesting design or a, a line, a written line. But the brand is much bigger than all of that. They're, they're really deep ideas that people should feel um, regardless of whether you, you actually tell them what it is, you know? Yeah. So what actually makes a good brand? Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the, the core of a good brand is an insight. So is an idea about what people want and need, some sort of tension or desire. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, a good example for Nike, which is a famous brand that people talk about in this context, the insight is around achievement, um, is around being the best version of myself um, or something about being like a professional athlete, yeah. um, just do it and so on. That insight, once you have the, the core insight, what do people really want? What is that need? What is that tension? You you can then develop a brand that solves it, that, that kind of resolves that tension. And every great brand has that. The brands that are not great are the ones that don't, aren't built on an insight. Mm. Um, and in addition to an insight, what are some of the other components that constitute for a good brand? Well, I think, I think there's an insight and I think there's definitely a bit of um, you know, uh, creative, uh, call it a creative whimsy or creative spark um, that really helps translate that tension to something that resonates with people in a language that really resonates with people. Um, so, and I can think of a few examples of some some great brands that kind of add a little bit of a little twist that really help you get yeah. what that thing is about. There's a there's a men's grooming brand called Harry's. Yes, um, right. So. Harry's to me, is a, and they just recently became a client, but they're an example of a great brand, a really well-branded brand, I should yeah. say. Um, so forget about the business, forget about the products for, for a second, but, but as a brand, there's something about it and the way it communicates that really gets men to really understand what they're about and the role that Harry's plays in their life, the values, the ideals, something about the design, mm. the name, Harry's, you know, it's, it's very it's simple, relatable. very simple. It's a, a person's name is actually a very trendy branding technique today. Yeah. So you got Harry's, you have Casper, Oscar, yeah. Warby Parker, Alexa, um, Alfred, Alexa, Lyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lyle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. There's something about proper names that you you overcome sort of the tra- the trust barrier and you can actually communicate a lot so so i think harry's has that you know the word harry sounds like harry <laughs> you know it has a lot of yeah. 
a lot that was working for it. Oh, I didn't feel about that. Yeah, well, a lot of these things are kind of embedded. I'll give you an example of a horrible brand. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not ashamed to say it. I saw a commercial for a pharmaceutical uh, drug called Viviscal. Oh, yeah. And it's a, it's, a, it's a hair rejuvenation drug for women, I think. And Viviscal, you know, Scal is supposed to speak to scalp like that. And yeah. Viva speaks to life. And it's just a horrible name. Yeah, it's horrible. It doesn't even, yeah, I've seen the adverts actually on the yeah. subway. Yeah. Pharmaceuticals have horrible names. Yeah. <laughs> so so you, ha- you ask about, like, what are the ingredients? I think, I think the inside is the far more the most important. And then there's a creative sort of bit of it that includes naming. It includes design. It includes, you know, visual language. It's a bigger yeah. world. I wanted to actually ask you about that. So, what are some of the steps I guess like startups should take when creating, you know, a brand around their product? Yeah, it's so a good like, question. Start, no, no, branding 101. Like, what do we yeah. do? Well, it's, I should start by saying it's hard to even say that because you know this is a service that we provide and we, yeah. we, we charge a lot of money for. It. Yeah, but but yeah. We, this is a question that we face more and more. A lot of entrepreneurs want to do this, and there are a lot of like branding sprints and design sprints. Yeah. There's a book written by um, Simon Sinek, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, Simon Sinek. Yeah, where he does the the why, the how, and the what. Um, understand your why. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Understand your why. So that, that to me is a good first step for an, an entrepreneur just mm-hmm. thinking about a brand because those are the questions to ask um, really early on. Um, but to me, as you. If I was to think about it, and if I had a, a, a startup that I was working on today, the first thing I would think about is, what is that insight? Um, what is the need? What are ways that I can solve for that need? Um, and there could be a, a number of ways. When it comes to names, there could be a number of ways. It could be a personified name. It could be more of an evocative name. It mm-hmm. could be, you know, if it's a financial thing, maybe you want to add something like advisors or, or you know, group mm-hmm. or something, a qualifier to that name. So there are a lot of names to solve that insight. From a visual point of view, I would, I would, I would also look at you know the competitive landscape. Um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs are very good about comparing themselves to similar products and businesses, yeah. but they're not very good at comparing themselves to similar brands. Mm. And so, a brand-driven competitive landscape is imperative. Um, so, if you see in your category that a lot of brands are one-syllable um, and the words don't actually mean anything, they're more evocative ideas. Um, that means there's a white space for a brand that's far more descriptive and tangible. Yeah. That, and I think that's what you aspire to when you develop these brands, look for something that's unique. Um, so that's a kind of a rambly question, but for me, from a rambly answer, for me, it's a, it starts with the inside, look at the competitors and think about the different ways you can solve that from a brand perspective. And the brand, as I said, the brand includes the name, the design, um, the ideas that you want to stand for, you know, I've, I've worked in uh, for financial brands in the past, yeah. and I've no, for many different companies, and and they all have a list of values, and their values tend to be the same, yeah. no matter what company you're in. It's Integrity, like, exactly, trust, <laughs> trust, yeah, and, you know, whatever. Um, and I think the goal for an early entrepreneur is to get out of that trap mm. and not play back some of these generic ideas that that everyone kind of has down. Yeah. Um, but how do you do that? You know, because then I guess sometimes it's a case of like FOMO or right. 
ticking the boxes. You know, oh, we gotta have this, we gotta have that. They have this, they yeah. have that. Well, they, I think I think you could you could have some of that, but you should add to it, um, you know, something that's really unique with a, with a real story. Yeah, and and look at what you have that's different from other people, which could be credibility. It could be um, you know where you're located. It could be your approach. It could be something proprietary. Um, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a friend who was doing something again in a finance space, which is why it's top of mind. Yeah. And there, there's a convention, a naming convention in this in this space where he's trying to start a business. It's an absolute naming convention. It's something research group, something research group, and, he, and that's the, those are sort of the names that he's thinking about. It's yeah. like blank research group. And but yet when he talked about the company, he didn't talk about research. He was talking about integrity and the humility in, in the finance space. You don't really see a lot of that. Um, the, the fact that they're approachable and cool guys and blah 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 yeah. and to me that's what the name should be based on and so I think there are assets that brands have that they don't leverage enough when it comes to branding and, and sometimes they're not so obvious mm. sometimes they're kind of in you know secondary to what people think is important it's yeah. interesting so I just want to switch gears now and talk a little bit more about you know the startup land and like round up the startup space. So I read something recently where you spoke about the side hustle. We actually spoke about this earlier as well. Yeah. Uh, why do you think it's so important that everyone has a side hustle? I don't know. If, I mean, I definitely think it's important that everyone has a side hustle, but more than that, everyone has a side hustle. I mean, it's, just, it's just kind of a thing. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. Everyone has yeah. a side hustle. I think it's, it's misleading when big companies kind of suggest that people work at one place and that's it. You know, mm. we all are working on many different things at the same time yeah um, it, and not so obviously sometimes um, but for me it's just human nature to have multiple interests and a job is one thing um, but people love to work I mean I always say this is like uh, I hate jobs I love working mm. and so people work out beyond the work hours people work during the work hours on other things on their side and sometimes they're startups but other times they could be poetry or they could be um, arts or they could be you know a, a variety of other things that people have and so for me the side hustle is much more true to the human condition and if you embrace that human condition then I think much more is possible so at, at Sony Labs we, we acknowledge the fact that people have live whole lives and they have many different interests Yeah. Um, and sometimes people come across that have side hustles that outweigh what they want to do at Sylvain Labs and, and we nurture that and encourage that. You know, we had a guy here who was a competitor on The Voice, you know, the television show. Yeah, 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 I remember. He was on uh, Pharrell's team and he wanted to make music. I mean, it was obvious he wanted to make music. And after a year or two of working here, that the role of music kind of increased even more and we actually helped him do that. I mean, we produced his music video and... Oh, wow. And that side hustle, it, it's funny, I would say his day job was his side hustle. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, so was, we try to acknowledge that. And then as a company, we have our own side hustles. And I, I think that every company should have a side hustle. Yeah. Should, should really be thinking about how it can grow in opposite or, you know, unobvious directions. So speaking of company side hustles, you guys actually had a side hustle that became a product that yeah. was uh, Masters and Dynamics, that's right? That's right, the yeah. So how did that actually come about? Yeah, that's a good question. We, we got approached by Jonathan Levine, who's the, the founder and CEO of uh, Master and Dynamic. And he didn't even have a name yet. He didn't really even know where it sat in the competitive landscape. And we 
um, we got to know more about it and felt that there was a real window there in the category, that there was a level above beats, uh, that there was a white space there. And so we, we, and he agreed to give us equity in the business. So um, we ended up getting equity in Master Dynamic and we worked on it and we still work on it every now and then. Um, and we and we really kind of clicked with the founder and the CEO, yeah. Jonathan, um, who's in you know this intense super entrepreneur who had done it before. And uh, right now it's in the Apple Store. Um, it's it is you know design driven sound tools like mm-hmm. high high design um, and really popular among audiophiles. So it's incredibly rewarding to yeah. have a product, a side hustle that became a product. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and it's not the only one. We have uh, we have a couple others. We have uh, Lilo, which is a line acai bowl. So it's a, sh- a refrigerator shelf stable acai bowl, which a lot of people think is the future of breakfast and it's going to mm-hmm. go the way of yo- uh, Greek yogurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have Pet Mio, which is a uh, it's like a smart pet food um, pet health nutrition company, basically. It's, and it's out of South Florida and it's just launching uh, now. So for us, as we think about scale, which I, you know, people like you and other entrepreneurs think a lot about scale when, they, when it's a technology, it's very easy to think about that because yeah. you can replicate the technology over a number of sure. devices. Mm-hmm. And as a consulting business where our hours are really what we sell, it's hard to think about sell yeah. scale because you can't hire enough people to get to the scale you want. Right. So to do these sort of uh, these equity projects um, or side hustles, it, it's our way of, of kind of scaling. Let's take a quick break. If you're stuck for ideas around how to develop your logo, website design, or business cards, Design Crowd can give you access to 600,000 creative minds from around the world. Once you've launched your brief, designers will begin submitting quality designs for you to review. With some constructive feedback, you can quickly generate a large gallery of designs that really do fit your needs. Rather than paying expensive fees and waiting weeks for agencies to pitch an idea, you can have exactly what you need within three days. Once you've selected your favorite idea, you'll be sent all the files you need to update your branding. If you don't like any of the submitted designs, then Design Cloud offers a money back guarantee. To get your custom design done by the crowd, check out designcrowd.com forward slash HMD to learn more and receive your startup hand-me-downs VIP offer when you start your next project. All our listeners get a special $100 off their first project, so check out designcrowd.com forward slash HMD. That's designcrowd.com forward slash HMD. Or simply enter the discount code HMD when you're posting a project on DesignCrowd. Okay, let's get back into the show. Yeah. And what's the vision for Masters and Dynamics? Like, how big is it right now? Um, I don't know how big it is in terms of revenue right now, or I, I'm probably not even allowed to talk about it. But it, but it's right now um, quite big. So it's it's a it's one of the leaders in this kind of high design um, sound tool space. And you know, the, the category is very interesting. You know, the fact that Apple acquired Beats yeah. says something very mm-hmm. interesting yeah. about what the potential of Master Dynamic could be. Um, and the and the industry, this, the music industry is going through such change that you know a number of partners or things are possible for that brand. Yeah. 
you know. And how do you kind of manage your time and everyone else's time? Because like side hustles, the reason yeah. why most organizations frown upon it is because it just takes too much of your attention. So how right. do you manage that? Yeah, it's funny. I get asked that question a lot. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I think I there's, there's like a, there's a real sense of like, well, how do you do that? Like, how does that fit in what you do? And, and like I said, I mean, people are doing side projects anyway on the side. And mm -hmm. when there are hours, it's even better. Um, and it actually keeps people really inspired and curious and excited to be around here in a yeah. place that welcomes kind of foreign ideas. Um, but the way we manage on a day-to-day, -day, because our time is is sort of our only value, like our yeah, cost. That's your commodity, yeah. Yeah, so we, we are very kind of scientific about how we assign projects and how, how much time people should spend on the project. So um, we're just careful to make sure that that side hustle time doesn't get in the way of the consulting time. Other companies have kind of formula around it, like 80-20 or all these, you know. Yeah. We, we are not that specific about it because I actually think that's not realistic enough. Mm. Um, we have some projects where people will spend two weeks on a side hustle, a, a non-billable client, um, and other projects where people won't touch a side hustle for a long time. Um, but over, overall, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to um, mislead you either because I think it's not as though half of our time is on our side hustles. It's, it's a minority of our time. You know, we yeah. are a consulting business. And that's how we make money. Yeah. Yeah. And in addition to these projects, another one of your side hustles is angel investing, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So I guess when it comes to angel investing, what do you look for in an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I, I am, um, I don't know if this makes me a typical angel investor or an atypical angel investor in that. I am new to it and I really rely more on human relationships and what I can tell from another human being and what they've done before. Right. So I, I rarely measure a business or product purely on the merits of the business or product. It's, yeah. it's more than anything. It's the person on the other mm -hmm. side of the table and what they've done and whether they can be trusted and, and, and whether you want to be in bed with them. Um, so that to me is, is paramount's. And, and usually, um, I, I only entertain these kind of conversations when it's a, a person I know or a person that I know via someone else. Yeah. And, um, so I hate to say it, but the, the idea of networking and being kind of out there is critical. When If you're looking for angel funding, obviously, um, for me, it's, it's everything. Can you yeah. think of someone you recently invested in and how that came about? Well, Pet Mio is a good example. Um, and that's, that wasn't a pure investment, although we're, we're talking about it. Um, it's, uh, I'm an advisor. Yeah. And, and the way that that, and I have equity in it, and the way that, the way that worked was um, Pedro, the CEO, was a, uh, was a client of ours mm. many years ago at, when he was working somewhere else. And we always liked him and felt that there was, there was a kindred spirit. And he, he was smart and that he kept, kept in touch with me as he was working on this really early on. And he worked on Pet Neo, which is the smart pet health company where it's through a combination of AI and nutrition, they kind of optimize your pet's you know, health yeah. regimen. And, um, and he always kept in touch with me. And you know, every time I would talk about AI in the press or something like that, or this Joey at, at the company would talk about AI, he would, he would get back in touch and he would kind of keep that relationship warm. And then when the time came where he needed to bolster um, uh, 
his board and, and thinking and advisors, he, he contacted us and um, I knew his track record and I, and I was really impressed with his team and some of his other advisors and their strategy and their path and they were hustlers and you know that's one thing I really look for in, in entrepreneurs are yeah. hustle yeah. Um, and you can see that you can smell that a mile away and that's what made it right nice so you took a board seat an advisory board yeah nice right cool and then um, I guess how do you okay so yeah. some rapid fire questions now okay yeah. so in terms of favorite book what are some of your favorite books or what is your favorite book wow what a good question um I don't. I don't read enough, uh, like I used to. I prefer nonfiction books. Um, if I want to get wonky about it, I really enjoyed the Black Swan, um, which was like an e- economics book. Yeah. Um, I mean, they don't have your favorite book. People always do this when they come on yeah. the show. It doesn't have to be a business book. It can be anything. Like, well, that's the weird thing. I, I don't really read fiction. Um, you know, when Quiet came out, I enjoyed that a lot. You know, I've, I've been up on. Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's podcasts, which aren't books, but mm. those podcasts are amazing. Okay. Um, sorry, you asked for rapid fire. I'm not giving you one. I, I, read, <laughs> I read Miles Davis's autobiography, which was dope. Oh, that yeah? was fantastic. Yeah, really interesting. He was a crazy person, um, as are so many geniuses. Yeah, of course. Uh, biggest business mistake? Oh, man. Whoa, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I took the wrong job. Um, so, so I, I have business mistakes at Sylvain Labs. So things that we've done that weren't necessarily smart. That has happened. You know, we, right. We've invested in companies that have failed and yeah. that sort of thing. But the, I'd say that by far the worst business decision I ever made was taking the wrong job. You know, a job with the wrong people and a place that didn't allow me to grow and limited what my potential was. Um, so I, I think it's important to think about business beyond the company, <laughs> you know, and thinking about business decisions. And I think yeah. taking the job, wrong job was the one for me. How long did I take to figure out? Holy shit. It took, it took like two weeks. Okay. Tops. It okay, took a good. really long, really short time. I mean, what I did is I tried to pivot and make that a learning experience. Um, uh, and it was, so I tried to make the most of it, but it was, it was not a good decision. Yeah. What company do you wish you invested in? Yeah. What a good question. I think, um, I mean, beyond the obvious companies that are yeah. overvalued and so on. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I am, I'm an investor in Tesla, but that company to me is a sort of reincarnation of true visionary corporation. Mm. So a company that had a vision for society and where we're going and potential in a way that you don't see in, in companies enough. The, the, the I belief that that company are profound, you know, the idea of sustainable energy. Um, and a lot of people think about Apple in the same way, but I don't, I don't think even Apple had such a profound view of the human condition and, and where we can go. You know, Tesla's thinking about the, the health of the globe and they're thinking about through SpaceX, Elon Musk is thinking about the universe, you know? So, so to me, these, these higher order businesses are the ones that I really want to be a part of. Yeah. They feel really exciting, especially one with Tesla that's that's doing well, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the one piece of advice you would give to startups? Well, I, I'd say a couple things. One is it always gets better. Um, it's not always bad. You know, there've been, when I first started, 
there were many times where I thought it was the end of the world and it always got better. And, and so the idea is if I keep hustling and I do my best, you know, you'll turn the corner. I think um, meeting people and being out there is critical and a lot of people obviously do that and know that. In my case, I spent every single breakfast, lunch and dinner and drinks over a couple of months out meeting people. Mm. Some of them were really worthless and some of them were amazing yeah. moments of uh, serendipity where I, I learned something or I developed a relationship. To, and th that first six months of my company where I was out all the time, those were where I built the relationships I have now, yeah. with, without a doubt. And I don't do that anymore, thank God. Uh, <laughs> it's also expensive, by the way. Yeah, it's very out, expensive. You're going out all the time and you're paying for, for stuff, but it, there's a real value to it. Yeah. Um, what other advice would I give? I think, I think there's also, there are a couple other things I'd say. One is not to take yourself too seriously. I think a lot of people, when they do put these products and businesses together, they have a tendency to talk about it like it's revolutionary and something like it, when I think there should be an acknowledgement that there's a lot like it, and maybe there are similar ideas come up before, but, mm -hmm. but there's something else that makes it unique. Yeah. Because like, that's what investors are gonna think. Yeah. Um, and then I think there, another word of advice is um, is around you know the written word and language, making sure you're talking about your, your business in the right way, um, and and being creative about it. You know what I what I find a lot of people they'll say things like it's a combination of open you know if Open Table met you know yeah. Airbnb <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. And I think that's a lazy way to describe your product. But if mm. you say it's a you know smart pet food nutrition company using AI and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just much more precise. Yeah. So that's a lot of advice I would give. That's a lot of advice. That's more, that's <laughs> yeah. more than one piece, but I think, <laughs> yeah. I think we'll take that. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, yeah. Where can people find you if they want to contact you? Uh, well, my name is Alain, A-L-A-I-N, and uh, people can email me at Alain at SylvainLabs.com, and that's S-Y-L-V-A-I-N-L-A-B-S.com. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Just want to say another huge thank you to Aline uh, for coming on the show and dropping some some serious knowledge there. I've personally struggled with branding on a few of my projects before, so having Aline really go through the steps of what it takes to create a brand was extremely beneficial for myself and I hope it was for you guys too. I thought Eileen was absolutely right when he said startups need to stop taking themselves so seriously and actually acknowledging that there are competitors out there but you need to tell why you are different is again something I absolutely 100% agree with. So I hope you guys got a lot of value out of that. I certainly did. As always guys, thank you so much for listening and if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave us a review on the Apple Podcasting app. They honestly do go a long way. Okay, until next time, guys, keep grinding.